Jesus said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did to one of the least of these who are members of my family, I tell you, just as you did to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. It is certainly a delight to be with you in worship. This is my favorite part of the service because I get to take off the cotton-picking mask. Whew. I wish you guys need to come when you wear masks in the sanctuary. You need to put smiley faces on them just so I can imagine that you're smiling. It's really hard to read you. But at any rate, it is so good to see some of you here, and it's good to join many of you online and those of you who will uh, to download it later and watch it. We're happy that we can be here on this Thanksgiving week and celebrate the risen Christ. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, we're thankful for another day of life and the gift of life that we've all been given. We confess that there are ways that we have not treated that gift so well. We've been wayward and we have been unwise. It's the shape of our faith that when we have walked away from you, you sent your Son, Christ, to reconcile us unto yourself, to cultivate in us a desire for your will and not our own. And we're grateful for this gift of redemption. Like manner, God, we believe and confess that you have sent your Holy Spirit to us to be a counselor, a guide, and a friend. Send your Spirit now that we would be a true community of care 
as we gather around this great story of the church. And send your spirit now for you and I know that without you I can do nothing. Send your spirit that this story may be translated into our lives freshly and uniquely to each one of us, that it may do its necessary work in our hearts. It is in the matchless name of your Son, our Savior, we pray. Amen. One of my grandparents I wasn't very close to because there was a bit of a rift in our family. So we only saw her about once a year, and she would come up to our town from Florida. And anytime she was around, I was really curious about her, so I kind of hung out with her. And we were in a car going to meet my parents somewhere. We were driving through the middle of town. It was clearly a depressed area. It was largely urban, and it was not... Um, it wasn't the way it was years before when this was a bustling part of town. There was more crime. We pulled up to a stoplight, and there is a man standing on the sidewalk by the car, minding his own business. It's an African-American man. He had a hoodie on. I noticed that my grandmother immediately locked the car door. And then she took her rings. She used to wear a lot of rings. And she, she turned them upside down so that the jewels were facing down. I know that she did that because she told me she did that. She said she did that to, to hide anything from any unwitting um, robbery that may occur. I now know that activity that she did to be known as a, something called a microaggression, things that you do when you react out in the world like that, they can affect other people, and I know them not to be necessarily good things. But it occurred to me a lot happens depending on the way you see the world. A great deal of importance is about what and how you see things and how you see people. Jesus tells a very famous story in this parable that we just read. Last week, we talked about how this section of Matthew has parable after parable that deals with the eschatological. That is the big theological word that some people translate to mean end times. Christians have been obsessed with end times stuff and thinking. You can go in bookstores and look in church libraries and see end times materials. But I suggested last week that most of church history didn't understand this as necessarily the end of all times, but rather the end of an age in anticipation of the next age. Jesus is talking about the end of the age and the beginning of a new one, when he will come again and bring his kingdom in full, when he will establish the new heavens and the new earth. So these stories are meant to tell us what life is to be like as Christians continue to walk the path of this age and anticipation of the new age of Christ to come. And in this story, Jesus tells us how he sees his followers. He sees them in this story in two camps like a shepherd who stands at the gate separating sheep and goats. When I imagine the story, I can almost imagine, it almost makes me think of when I was a kid and we played sports and you'd pick teams. I got Jim and I got Mike and so on. He just separates the goats, separates the sheep. The sheep represent the righteous ones. They get to come into the rest of the shepherd, right? The blessing of the shepherd. Why were they righteous? Jesus tells them, because you saw me hungry, you gave me food. You saw me thirsty, you gave me something to drink. You saw me naked, and you clothed me. You saw me when I was a prisoner. When I was a stranger, you welcomed me. 
Now, though they're righteous, I want you to notice that they were unaware, unaware that they had ever seen Jesus in such a state of need. When did we see you like that, Lord? And the shepherd in the story represented by Jesus, about Jesus here, representing Jesus, says to the people, whatever you've done for one of the very least of these, it's like you've done it for me. And then he speaks to the goats, those on the other side, and they're not welcomed into the shepherd's rest and blessing because when they saw Jesus naked, they did not clothe him. They did not greet him when he was a stranger. They did not feed him when he was hungry. They did not meet his needs when he was in need. And they too, like the sheep, confess, when did we ever see you in such a state of need? And Jesus says again, whatever you have done to the least of these and he calls them family members. Whenever you've done that or haven't done it, it's like you haven't done it for me. The story is all about how Jesus is looking to see compassion in the hearts of his followers. Neither group understands that they are supposed to see other people and see Jesus in the world, but one has been shaped by the compassion of Christ to move in accordance with God when they went about their daily life. In my estimation, this story is about learning how to see. Learning how to see each other properly so that when you encounter somebody in need, you can act in accordance with the will of God. But I suggest to you that we have to learn how to see because we don't see so well all the time. We're very busy we live lives of distraction. Messaging comes in from all directions. We look at something, we put a label on it in our head, and we move on. And today, more than ever, there's more to distract us. I remember getting into the, the car over here one day by my, my office. I parked on this hill that uh, it was a driveway that we shared with the Savannah College of Art and Design. And a, a, a scad kid was walking in front of the church looking down at his telephone. When they're on campus, I see them do that a lot, walking and being on their phone. He had no idea what was going on all around him. And then there was an accident that took place. He didn't hear it, but one car T-boned another car and pushed the car up onto the sidewalk, and it hit a light pole, and that light pole fell two feet in front of the kid, and he jumped and ran away in fear. He had no idea all that was going around him because he was distracted. I think we have a hard time seeing things even when we're not distracted. I think we have a hard time understanding because we have preconceived notions. Do your preconceived notions get in the way of seeing people the way Christ wants you to see them? Mine do. I've told you the story before, but I'm going to tell it again. I was sitting here in this chair on the chancel preparing myself for worship, and there was a man sitting partway back not far enough away for me to have a hard time seeing him. He was an intimidating-looking figure. He looked like a villain from a movie. He had his hair cut a certain way. His facial hair was cut a certain way. And he was a muscle-bound man with a very tight muscle shirt. Most people who come to church here tend to dress up, wear ties and things like that. So he caught my attention. Now, one thing that I do when somebody catches my attention and intimidates me in church is I, I tend to go over and introduce myself to them to find out if there's somebody I should worry about or not. Are they coming to cause a problem? So I find my way back there right before service. The man's big, 
the closer I get, the bigger he is. And I say, hey, what brings you in today? He says, I'm in from out of town. I said, oh, cool. So you're on a holiday? He says, no, I'm filming a movie. It's an action movie, and I'm the villain. <laughs> he said, I thought I'd come in to get my praise on. Immediately I knew that I had assumed the worst of the guy because no one talks like that who's going to cause a problem. I came to get my praise on. I had a friend. Whew, excuse me. I had a friend once who invited me to a prison ministry with him. And we walked in, and I was terrified of the prison. We sat down and we worshiped. I sat in one spot, and there was all these men over there, and they were wearing their, their prison uniforms. And my friend said, let's go and worship with them. And I was too scared to get up and go near them. One point, a man got up, one of the prisoners, and he, he walked toward me, and I thought to myself, my God, what did he do? Why is he here in prison? What's he coming over to me for? I was judging him. I was suspicious of his intent. He's in prison after all. And he walked right behind me. My friend said, calm down, breathe. I saw the prisoner go and get some cups of water. And he came over and he put them right in front of us. And then the prisoner leaned over to me and he said, thank you for being here, brothers in Christ. I didn't have the ability to see who they were because I was judging them. You see, we go about this world with blinders on. But what we're reminded by this parable that God wants us to learn to see something important and profound. That each and every person is made in the image of God. That there's a divine spark in each and every person. Mr. Rogers believed that so profoundly. That is why before every speech he made, he would bow. And so the reason why I try to bow to you too before I preach because it's a reminder that we need to see each other as having the image of God and being sacred unto ourselves because God has given us that sacred value. This parable reminds us as we walk this age and anticipate the age to come, we need to learn to see other people as sacred. Now, this is hard work. The truth is, we have to do a lot of practice to get there. We have to do a lot of cultivating of our spirits, which is why we go to church. It's why we listen to scriptures and we read scriptures and we form ourselves around a liturgy. We are being trained to see people and the world the way God would have us to see each other. But I've got one suggestion for you, one little hack, one tip. And it's good because it's the week of Thanksgiving and it's stewardship time, so it's a time to talk about it. We need to practice gratitude. When we practice gratitude, it tends to change the way we see things. Lately, it's been really hard seeing people for who they are when I read Facebook posts about politics. There's been a lot of nastiness. There's been a lot of division. And it's clear that people I love and I don't always share the same values. And I can scroll through and say, idiot, can't believe they think that way, or how dare they? But if I allow myself a moment to have gratitude for who they really are, to think about why I'm grateful that they're in my life, 
can change the way I see them in that moment. So let this week be a time of gratitude and let that affect the way you see people. For what God is looking for us is for us to see him in all people, to look into the eyes of another and to see Christ, to look in the eyes of a needy person and to see not a problem, but Christ. Let's put away our preconceived notions and see each other the way Jesus sees us. Let us pray. God, help us to walk this path toward the coming kingdom, seeing freshly one another through your eyes, seeing you in each other. Shape us in compassion. Help us put away our preconceived notions. Help us be unblinded and see what is divine and sacred in each and every other one. It is in your name we pray. Amen.